0: Hi guys, welcome back to Infinite Possibilities, the podcast where we explore the lives of amazing people, their choices, challenges and opportunities. And today I have a very, very special guest, Andrew Yates. Thank you for being here. Pleasure
1: to be here. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Yeah, so Andrew, what's your like one-minute introduction about what you do?
1: Well, I'm the CEO of uh, KPMG Australia, so I'm sure your listeners know who <laughs> KPMG is. Um, but yeah, so my day-to-day responsibility really is to run the organisation and I do that through a great team that I've got around me, um, focusing on the strategy, on our people and obviously how we're engaging with our clients and society more broadly.
0: Yeah, that's amazing and very big responsibility. So Some days it feels big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we really want to um, take a back step and see like how Andrew got to where he is today. So sure. Andrew, what kind of child were you like growing up? Uh,
1: I was a pretty good boy, I oh. think. Yeah, I was a pretty good boy. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I worked. I worked pretty hard. I wasn't the smartest guy in the class. I wasn't the, uh, I wasn't the least smart. You know, I, I worked pretty hard and got and got decent results. I, I enjoyed sport a lot, so I played a lot of sport, uh, and, and enjoyed sort of a group of friends. So I went to an all boys school in Canberra, um, and yeah, I, I was very lucky with the upbringing I had.
0: Mm, that's cool. And what about in terms of personality wise? Were you very introverted?
1: I, no, I, I don't think I was particularly. I wasn't one of the cool guys, um, <laughs> you know. But Nor was. But I, you know, had a lot of a lot of friends and played a lot of sport and um, wasn't an introvert. But probably wasn't the biggest ext- extrovert in the class either.
0: Oh, uh-huh, that sounds pretty good. Sort somewhere in, in the, the middle. middle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And how did you sort of fit in the school environment? So you were very sporty. What about in terms of academics? Were you really enjoying that side of things?
1: Yeah, I did. I loved. Um, yeah, look, I really enjoyed school, absolutely. Enjoyed the whole whole thing. I grew up in Canberra, obviously, and, you know, so I just rode my bike to school. It was <laughs> a kilometre and a half down the road. Um, it, was, it was a great... In the 80s, there was no mobile phone, so mm. everything you did had to be outdoors, which which was great. Um, and I really... Interestingly, I really enjoyed English and history. Mm. Uh, my dad is a scientist, oh, and, I, I and I didn't do well in science, and I think that was probably... Um, a very big disappointment for him at the time. Aww, yeah.
0: damn, but you made it up to him in other ways. Maybe, hey. maybe, <laughs> now, maybe now he's happy, who knows. <laughs> yeah, so cool. So in terms of career at the time when you were growing up, what were kind of your childhood dreams?
1: Well, I think I've said it before, my childhood dream was to play cricket for Australia. That was my, that was my childhood dream, but that would be a dream many Australian boys probably had at the time. Um, and when I, it's funny, you know, I moved house recently and you you find all these old things you haven't seen for a long time. And one of them was my year 12 yearbook. And in that I said I wanted to be a physiotherapist. Um, Yeah, I wanted to be a physiotherapist probably, you know, so I could be associated with sport and that sort of thing. Um, In fact, I married, my wife was a physiotherapist. So isn't that weird? Yeah, Yeah, your dream came true. Got got there in the end. (laughs) She hasn't done that for a while, but that, that was what she was doing when I met her. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and do you know why you didn't go on to pursue physiotherapy?
1: I had no plan, really. I did, um, yeah, I mean, I guess when I left school, I took a gap year. I went over to be um, a tutor in a a school in England, and I was over there for a year. And I never really applied. (laughs) To be honest, I applied for for a Bachelor of Economics instead, and no idea why. Um, I suppose at the time, I just decided I didn't want to, that's not what I wanted to do. And... I. Didn't do commerce at school, um, but I had an idea that you made money if you did economics. So I thought, well, I should do economics. Oh, that
0: was wow. yeah, pretty Amazing. superficial. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: and what about in terms of your parents' input into your sort of career decisions? Did they go, hey, Andrew, be a scientist. Hey, Andrew, do X,
1: Y, Z. Not really, you know, it's an interesting question that my parents didn't push me into anything other than push me in, you know, they made sure I worked hard at school and, uh, that I got decent marks, but then they never, they never ha- had a grand vision for what I wanted to be. My dad, <laughs> as I said, my dad worked for CSIRO, so he wasn't in he wasn't in business, so he that wasn't really his background, so he didn't really know much about um, you know the the accounting firms as they were, and um, my mum was the secretary to the headmaster of the school I went to, so it wasn't really <laughs> sort of her background either. So they were just happy that I, you know, was went to uni and was getting good marks and that was it. Yeah,
0: mm. that's cool. Also tell me a bit more about your gap year. What prompted that? Was there a bit of soul searching?
1: No, no soul, no. soul searching, just oh. the, uh, yeah, searching for a good, you know, to have a have an enjoyable time. Um, what well, was quite a common thing, I, I suspect it's still done now, but in that it was quite common for um, boys who'd finished school in England to come to our school for a gap year and they'd sort of be a tutor and, live in the boarding house and so there would have been 30 of my year group that all went to England together in different schools and and, um, it was quite funny because I was 18 obviously and I ended up in the staff common room so you know one year I'm at year 12, the next term I'm in the staff common room at this school and I was probably closer to the kids than I was the teachers and the teachers didn't necessarily like that so. Oh that's hilarious. um, But I had a great year. I made some friends I still keep in touch with uh it was in Canterbury in which is in southern England and um yeah had a great had a great year
0: oh sounds amazing Mm. nice and then so when you went back to uni and you were studying how were you sort of enjoying your economics degree
1: I found uni a funny old thing it was like 13 13 hours a week was my (laughs) was the extent of my course um and I was more focused on um on playing cricket than I was on um
0: Oh, still trying to live univer- that cricket dream. it was uh. still
1: alive even when I was 18, 19. Um, and so I would spend most of my time, you know, playing cricket with the people I played with and did university. Um, and, look, I enjoyed it. I didn't really sort of get into the uni life as much as many people do. My life was sort of elsewhere. But, you know, I enjoyed the course, got through it fine. Um, and yeah I mean it, it probably isn't in the whole scheme of things I've done the uni itself period doesn't stand out as a particularly big highlight or a particular low light. It was just did the three years and, and got my degree
0: <laughs> fair enough
1: mm.
0: nice and then so when you were near towards graduation yeah. in terms of careers, what were you thinking
1: Well again I, I don't want to make it seem like I've got no plan for anything but in, <laughs> no, in those days there was eight accounting firms, so the big eight. And it was quite a big deal. There was a, you know, you you got told there would be the two days of campus interviews. Um, All eight firms came down. Um, I didn't know much about them. So I did some research, obviously, before um, I went into the interviews. Had had an interview with, I think, maybe six of the eight. I can't recall how many. And then that was in Canberra at ANU. If you were successful, they would fly you up to um, Sydney for the second interview. so that was quite a that was you know quite exciting to come to the big smoke and so I got a, I got actually I got a, a job with KPMG it was called uh, Pete Marwick then in Canberra so which which is all the partners that you'd see in that Canberra office now a number of them were there then um, and I got flown to Sydney by I think it was called again it was at the time of the merger, it was PMG Hungerfords or something like that. Um, and by Price Waterhouse. Well no Coopers and Lybrand. Coopers and Lybrand it was at the time. And I can vividly remember both interviews. It's so weird. I can interview with with KPMG as it is now, like it was yesterday, and I'm still really oh, good friends crazy. with the three people that interviewed me. <laughs> and uh, I can remember the one with Coopers and Lybrand, like it was yesterday and the and the man who interviewed me there is now on the um, board of the Reserve Bank, so I still see him, yeah. which is which is quite weird, huh? So yeah. again, no real plan. Ended up at getting these interviews and, and decided to take one with, with what is now KBMG.
0: Wow! And mm. so, how did you make that big decision between those two?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> it's um, I actually liked them both. I did like them both, but the person that interviewed me from KPMG had just finished as the Australian wicketkeeper. Now, oh. I, don't, I don't know if you know much about cricket, <laughs> but the wicketkeeper is the, the man behind the um, stumps with the gloves on, the big yeah. gloves, that's him, right? And um, his name was Greg Dyer. And he worked, back in those days, if you were a sportsman, you also had to work. Oh. So he was a senior manager at KPMG and he played for Australia. And so when I met him, it was like I was meeting um, you know, it was a bit of a fan meeting as yeah, well as just a star. corporate meeting. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just so anyway, I joke a bit about that, but I I really like the people I've met at KPMG. So, uh, and I and I've remained good friends with them ever since. Yeah, that's just, amazing. Just good culture. Yeah, I like that. I like the feel of it.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes when two things they're quite similar, it's just that small thing, yeah, that yeah, small yeah. like fan in you that makes you lean <laughs> <laughs> towards. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's incredible. So you've been like you, your first job out of uni was at KPMG and now you
1: still are. Well I had some part-time jobs obviously when I was at uni yeah Um, (laughs) and but my first main job yeah was KPMG and I never never thought that I would be at KPMG more than two or three years Uh, but I've been incredibly blessed to have been here for 33 years now I've worked I know you go through it sequentially so I won't jump ahead Um, (laughs) but you know I've been very fortunate to have a A career within a career basically is how i think about it yeah
0: wow and so so like um why didn't you leave after two or three years
1: well i took a gap i took time off actually i went um to austria with a friend of mine we took snowboards over there and and i um i got some advice at the time that i should not sort of close the door to kpmg so
0: and how how many years was that in that was just after
1: i'd done what was called the py back then you know the ca so it was It was just after three years. So it would just have been end of 92, probably. Um, And that was typically when people leave, the first time people leave, you know, when they finish the professional exams. And um, I asked one of my partners at the time whether they would keep the job open for me, which they did. And, uh, yeah, I decided to come back after six months of skiing in Australia. Wow.
0: And so did you, like, why did you want to come back? Like, surely after six months of so much fun... To be like you know, yeah it's a good practicing. question
1: I, I don't know i mean i'd enjoyed the first three years that i'd spent here and i'd, yeah. I'd learned a lot and i i like the people um and probably you know whilst i don't whilst i sort of say i've never had a plan by the same token i've always tried to you know get balance in what i'm doing like you know doing the cricket stuff going away for skiing but always through the middle realize i needed to keep the Sort of career going as well, yeah. uh, and so that's probably why I came back just to sort of get back. And I'd had six months off. I was pretty lucky to have done that, and then yeah. and then I came back just because I probably I didn't think the alternative looked any better.
0: Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and what division were you in when you first started as a grad?
1: Well, it, they weren't divisions. Um, oh, okay. I was in Group Three. That's how.
0: Wow, it that's was fancy. Called.
1: Yeah, you're very fancy. <laughs> It was called Group 3, but it was in the audit practice. So when I started the firm, we weren't national. We were just... So I joined the New South Wales practice. Um, and it was very much uh, audit and tax. Yeah. I think there was probably very little else. And so the audit, there was eight groups, and I was in Group 3. And when I joined, it was in Australia Square, which was the big round building on George Street. And there would have been probably, I'd say, 40... 50 people in our group there was four phones and there was a mac room a computer room and so when you got a phone call it would come into the group assistant and she would yell out your name (laughs) and you'd find a phone and yell the number back and she'd put it through to that
0: oh that's pretty hilarious yeah it is isn't
1: it different to today everyone's got a mobile phone yeah yeah. that's
0: pretty cool Mm. and also with kpmg you did a bit of traveling right Mm -hmm. you were working in different countries tell me a bit more
1: Yeah, I did a a short-term comment initially to Hong Kong in in ninety-two for for three months. I went over with about um, fifteen other uh, people at my level to backfill the Hong Kong office because they'd had a very big corporate collapse in Mm. Hong Kong, and a lot of their staff had been moved on to work on that on that that job. And so we got bought up for three months, and I loved it. And then I went back for eighteen for three years. I went back for three years. About eighteen months later, yeah. so I did three months, came back here for eighteen months, then went back to Hong Kong for three months.
0: Three years. Three years. Sorry,
1: <laughs> three years, and I loved Hong Kong. It was such an awesome, well, such an awesome city still. Um,
0: what do you love about it?
1: Well, I just love the energy. The um, well, I mean, I was there from nineteen ninety five to nineteen ninety eight, so it spanned the handover, mm. back from. Great Britain to China so it was a really unique time to be there but it was just it's just a very high energy fun place I worked on a great client HSBC um, and you know just really loved the city and made great friends did, did really enjoyable work um, and then I came back from that and then 10 years later I uh, went to New York for, uh, oh. for two years. Wow. Yeah.
0: yeah. Wow that's amazing. Mm. And during your time at KPMG, did you go and work for other companies and then come back, or were you always with KPMG throughout?
1: I've always been at KPMG. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Wow. I've comments to, did a, yeah. I did a comment to HSBC for a period of time. Um, and I mean, obviously, but I've always found that working on different clients all at the one time gave me a lot of variety, and I'd sort of go into those clients, and I'd, the people I'd deal with were doing the same thing every month. Largely, if you were dealing with yeah. the finance function, it was very repetitive, and and I always sort of found that amusing because they'd sort of say that the auditor's job was the same, yeah. whereas we only went in there once a year, yeah. and then I'd go somewhere else for a period of time, whereas they were just doing the same thing every month. So I always found that a bit ironic. Um, but no, so I've always been at KPMG. Yeah.
0: Does it feel that long? Thirty-three years? No.
1: As I said, I can remember my first day like it was. Yet- I remember the interviews like it was yesterday. Ah. I remember my first day like it was yesterday. And, you know, in my career, I've gone and interviewed for other jobs and all those sorts of things. But I've never found one that um, interested me more than what I was potentially giving up.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. And let's talk a bit about career progression. So Mm -hmm. getting to CEO, no easy feat. So when you were like a grad, did you always be like, "Mm, I want to be a manager? And then you want to just, how did you sort of kind of climb it up?
1: Not really. You know, when I was a grad, I was just chilling. I was, enjoy- I, was enjoy- I wasn't chilling, <laughs> to use the modern day yeah. term. Um, but I certainly wasn't sort of focused on an end game. I was just enjoying Sydney, enjoying the people I was working with, my friends outside work. It didn't. And and what I found with KPMG weirdly was that. Every year you got a progression. You, know, when you, you got progressed every year. A one in my day it was A one, A two, A three, Senior one, Senior two, and so your career just sort of started to develop and move along, just sort of naturally. Yeah. And and I and when I turned up I didn't know anything, didn't know anything. And then I remember feeling quite satisfied about a year later when the next group of grads turned up, yeah. and I was actually able to tell them something. <laughs> it sort of showed I'd learned some stuff, um, but. I, I suppose when you do get closer to a particular level, then you do start to aspire yeah. to it so after I'd been here four years, yes I wanted to then I wanted to become a manager yeah and then I went away to Hong Kong and, and came back and at that point I came back I was probably I came back just as I became senior manager and then yeah the aspiration pretty quickly um, became I wanted to be a partner because I did find myself some great mentors at that time who I hadn't known before and who were in the partnership Uh, and we had a really big win Um, and I was a senior manager on that win. It was um, St George Bank yeah. and at the time St George Bank was the 15th biggest company in the country and it was a big win for the firm and I was a senior manager on that so it really sort of helped my career but the the person I worked for on that um, and the people around that became really good mentors for me and sort of brought me into the partnership and once I once I sort of had a relationship with them then yeah I aspired to be a partner yeah Yeah,
0: that's cool Mm. and yeah when listening to your story it sounds like when you were growing up you really valued that you know work-life balance and Mm -hmm. that like you know the cricket and other aspects Mm. so when you climb up doesn't that mean that you're giving up a lot of those
1: Uh, not really I think people I think it depends how you organise yourself to be honest and how you're able to um, the more the more broad and complicated your job gets, you have to be confident in delegating to other people, in having confidence in other people. Otherwise, you can't you can't do it yourself. You, yeah. I mean, you can't do any of these jobs on your own. You need a good team of people working with you. And I've always wanted to be a good team member as well. You know, that comes from that sporting background. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very much a team game. Um, and I think, therefore, if you can if you can find yourself in a good team and and you can delegate and you can organise yourself and and know what's coming up in terms of deadlines, if you do all that, I think you can still achieve work-life balance. I mean, I think it's harder today than it was 20 years ago. A lot of it, I genuinely think, is because of how accessible everyone is to each other. Now with the mobile phones and social media, no one's ever off. Yeah. You know, back in my day or early in my day, you left the office. No one could find you.
0: <laughs> That's perfect. Yes, yeah,
1: so, I mean, you and that, I don't. But no one expected to find you. Yeah. Because you couldn't, right? You. Um, but now, I, I do feel it's difficult for people coming through um, corporate life now because you're always contactable. Yeah. And so, unless you set some pretty good boundaries around that, you get dragged into stuff at ten o'clock at night and yeah. on a Sunday afternoon and those yeah. things. And you've got to find a way not to do that.
0: Yeah, fair enough. That is, yeah, modern day struggle. (laughs) It is, it is for sure. Yeah. And so when did the idea of like, you know, becoming CEO pop into your head?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, I've always wanted to be a senior person, I suppose. Yeah, But it really, I mean, it didn't really pop into my head genuinely until, um, because you're never quite sure what path is going to open up for you, you know. I mean, you've got to be lucky because timing all has to work as well. Uh, and I took on some really big clients um, as the sort of lead partner, and so I knew that I was getting good sort of recognition, I suppose, for doing that sort of work with clients. And then my predecessor, Gary, um, he he reorganised the firm in 2017, and he bought audit and risk consulting together to form to form ARC, and he asked me to run that. And so that was the big opportunity for me because that division hadn't existed before, so I had to start it from scratch. And it was also a bit, like, a bit like a mini version of the whole firm because we had you know, the mature audit business and the consulting business all together. Yeah, so true. I got experience running both. And so I think once I got that job, I, I then built an aspiration to you know, potentially um, succeed Gary.
0: amazing, Mm. and now that you're here, how does it feel?
1: Well, it felt pretty weird on my first day when I was at (laughs) home, um, because we're all locked down. So it was a pretty difficult start really, because we had three months in lockdown, so I was at home Uh, um, for three months as the new CEO. And I I was trying to bring a, a team together, You know, probably two thirds of which had been my team members, and then there was a third that I introduced new. But it's very strange when you're in a team, and then you become the leader of the team. Yeah. You know, you've then, the people you've been working with, you sort of, you know, you're their boss then. Yeah. And that's a hard transition for both parties to make. Yeah. Um, and trying then to bring a, a new team together in lockdown um, was, was difficult, but you know, now I'm loving it. So we just finished our first year. Great day to interview me. Our results are out today <laughs> for the first year, and they were very good. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's good energy in the firm. You know, what what I've been blown away with in the first year is how great our people are all around the country and what amazing work we do. Um, So, yeah, I'm really proud to to lead the firm.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. And how did it sort of change your dynamic with the people that you worked with? You guys were fairly sort of more on an even level? Yeah, we were very
1: even. Um, Yeah. Look, I think that both both parties just need to understand who the leader is and, and... that leader needs to not change the way they engage. You know, so I still, I try and still build that team. Um, And I I, I suppose you just gotta be, you don't change yourself. You just gotta be authentic and and seek to build the trust of the team rather than just assume because you've suddenly got the title of CEO that everyone's going to sort of follow you and you you (laughs) you gotta build that. And I think the best way to build that is by being authentic.
0: Yeah, that's true. Does it affect friendships? Does it sort of mean that now you've got to um, be a bit more professional or can you still be really, you know...
1: Um, well, yeah, I think it doesn't affect friendships so much and the people I'm close to in the firm, I'm no, they're no different with me and I'm no different with them, really. But I think it, you, you can't have an air of being familiar with anyone. You yeah. know, you, I can't sort of walk around being familiar with the group over there because yeah. it will mean people over here feel, Isolated. you know, it was, and it's a bit unfair and yeah. I don't want to be that way. So um, it doesn't change friendships, but, you know, you just need to be professional about it all. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <gasps> That's hard. <Yeah. laughs> so, Andrew, what's the sort of day in the life? You know, what time do you wake up? What's the first thing you do? And
1: uh, I you wake, wake up pretty early. Day? I wake oh. up about five o'clock normally. Wow. Yeah. I, if, I, if I can, I try and go for, um, go for a run um or i've got to come to the airport and get on a plane they're they're the two normal morning things but then every day is different you know i've got a i've got my own team obviously we meet twice a month i sit on the board and that's meeting once a month so there's the sort of the formal activities that, that come with the role um you know once a quarter Alison, the chairman and i go to every office around the country so that's again part of the formal role and then the rest of it is a combination of you know, meeting with my team one-on-one, meeting with people that want to speak to me, meeting with clients, uh, meeting with the government sector. So it, it really is hard to say what any day looks like. They're all pretty different. Um, but it's a combination of the formal stuff and then the, you know, what what, what happens, you know, what the what hits you that day
0: yeah that's cool what percentage do you think you're in meetings <laughs>
1: i've been meetings a lot actually too much is it much.
0: like 90 percent? yes
1: too much I, i've got to get better at that i'm not very <laughs> good at saying no um yeah because I, th- I feel people need to,
0: they need to be accessible yeah they me. need to be
1: accessible yeah but um but a lot of meetings actually um yeah. one-on-one meetings a lot. Yeah. Does
0: that make you a bit of more of an introvert in your personal life?
1: No, no, not at all. Really? Probably the opposite actually because I get out of the meeting and I want to um, socialize yeah, more. Exactly. exactly. <laughs>
0: That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and what is the sort of hardest part about CEO and about the most rewarding part?
1: Uh, the hardest part I find is when people aren't happy in the organization and you know, um with 12,000 people, I'm pretty honest, <laughs> there's going to be some people out there that aren't happy. And yeah. I, that, that I find that hard to um, understand. That the firm isn't giving them what they what they want. That's that's one of the hardest things. Yeah. There's reputational issues that are pretty difficult. the Firm deals with. They're the hardest things. Yeah. The re- rewarding bit is genuinely getting around to meet all the people in the firm, um, because it's such a great bunch of people. And um, that's what I find really rewarding. You know, the the sort of commercial stuff around the the, the numbers, the performance, the the client wins, those sort of things, they're, they're really, really good because they sort of build um, confidence. But the most rewarding bit is getting around and meeting people.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, yeah, and then, you know, you've climbed to a very high position. So do you have any, like, role models and any, like, experiences that have really shaped you, that helped you? Any strong influences in your life? Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, the influences in my life have been more personal than... Um, no, I'm, oh yeah, God. I'm, I'm not. I'm not one of those people that you know um, has a, a role model of a famous
0: yeah. person in history <laughs> or
1: something like that. I, I'm a big. I'm a big fan of. Um, well, not a big fan is the wrong way to say it. I, I, you know, I do. I've had a lot of high regard for uh, John F. Kennedy. Weirdly, you know, so mm. that's quite a long, quite a long time ago. I always found it was amazing that he could sit in front of a crowd in 1962, saying, "We're going to, we're going to fly a." A rocket to the moon by the end of the decade, using materials that don't exist yet. It's oh, wow, pretty that's, amazing. Yeah, isn't it? such a vision. Such a vision, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and all the stuff he did for um, social rights in the U.S. Uh, and those sort of things. And he was—he was a flawed character as well. He wasn't—he wasn't perfect.
0: Oh, I love the complexity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: and uh, so that—that's sort of someone I do—I do. I do um, well, I'm not quite sure what the word is. Admiere. Inspiration, probably. Admire. Yeah. Admire is a good word. Yeah.
0: And so, if someone were to work with you, like, how would you sort of describe your leadership style? What would they expect?
1: Um, <laughs> I look pretty open and authentic, and um, team-oriented. Ori- I think is what they w- they would expect. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty honest and open in terms of conversations. Um, I, I value, as you know, if you listen to the strategy, I, I value people with energy and yeah. and ambition. Yeah. Um, so that's what I I look for in, in people. Um, and, you know, I, I like competition too. I like the competition Ooh, against our peers. Yeah, I um, love it. Yeah, so. Only much sh-
0: like sports, huh? Well, it
1: was very yeah. much like that, you know. I think I really enjoy a win against our competitors. That's what we're all in it for, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, so that, they're the sort of things people could, could expect in working with me.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And also, I want to have a little bit of advice. What would you tell your younger self?
1: Keep doing what you're doing because it seemed like it worked out okay. Oh.
0: <laughs> That's solid. <Nice. laughs> to be honest, yeah, that'd be it. <laughs> yeah, and you don't really want to change too much, right? Otherwise, not really. You no, might not be CEO, huh? Exactly, exactly, oh. exactly.
1: But I, I've, um, I feel that I've had a enjoyable time along the way as which has now been a successful time, I suppose. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Journey before destination. <laughs>
1: that sounds good.
0: Cool, and so we're nearly at the end of the podcast. Okay. Just a few more quick questions. So Andrew, the deep one, what do you think the meaning of life
1: is? To be happy.
0: Oh, that's sweet, nice. And so Andrew, if you won the lottery tomorrow, would you change anything about your life?
1: How big is the payout? Um, <laughs> unlimited. I'm joking, I'm joking, unlimited payout. Yeah. Uh, not really. I think you'd do a few of those things like you'd, you know, I'd pack up all my friends in a lead jet and go on a global golf tour, something like that. Oh, then I'd come back and keep things pretty normal, I think.
0: You would still work this hard?
1: Well, I, I don't really work. I've never really worked for the money, so to speak. Yeah. I, I just enjoy, I, I, enjoy, I work because I enjoy it, yeah, and I think I would. After, I'd, as I said, I'd, I'd blow a bit of money on a global, yeah. global golf trip. Yeah, and then come back to work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, what if, what if someone put you into forced retirement? You can't be CEO right now. What, what, do, what do you do? Uh,
1: well again, take a take a few months off.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what's coming next. You know, hopefully, I've got this job for a bit longer, um, yeah. and then, uh, you know, I, I'm on a number of boards of charity, so I do yeah. enjoy to give back through that yeah. sort of stuff, um, and then just, just see what comes my way. But probably a bit more, bit more time playing golf
0: yeah <laughs> not cricket anymore huh not cricket
1: anymore no oh, too old for that that's apple, sad. So. Yes.
0: <laughs> and so what is your ideal day in the life um it can be like a work it can be like a chill day
1: oh yeah look like i enjoy days with my kids so particularly on holiday i enjoy we have on a skiing holiday that's that's one of my favorite things to do yeah yeah
0: that's pretty cool mm. nice we're at the end of the podcast All right, so yeah. I want to say bye thank you for having me thank you bye okay